This is CliffCentral.com. Richard, are we on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week? Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to the business section of our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandi Stretter, business coach and guide from RaceCorp, and Cynthia Skuman of the Ethics Monitor. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Our guest on the line is no stranger to the South African environment, Wayne Dionach, chairman of OTA. Wayne, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Lovely to be with you. So, Wayne, the reason we wanted to have a conversation with you is the first part of our show was really focused on the whole question of the need for ethics activists in our society. And we could think of no better example than to showcase uh, Ota for the work that you guys have done. And if I may just preface this conversation with saying how impressed I have been with the the efforts that Ota has made. Um, I mean, if I look at the, you know, initially I think everybody always thought, you know, this is just about toll roads. But if I look at all the yeah. work that you have done uh, over an extended period of time, um, you know, I, I had a look uh, at the projects you're involved with right now, um, state capture, the communications environment, energy, government policy, various government policy elements, obviously transport and water and environment. I, I just looked at that list and I thought, sure, okay. You definitely are, uh, you know, have taken this to a whole new level in terms of engaging with with the South African uh, environment and and doing what needs to be done. Yeah. So, when just give me some insights. I mean, when Otis started out, I mean, how did this start? Where did the idea come from? How did you get dragged into this? Well, just give us some great background just for our listeners. Okay, so uh, right in the beginning when the ETOL um, situation developed, we, we could see that something was fundamentally wrong. And when I say we, it was the car rental industry. I was the CEO of uh, Avis at the time and chairing the car rental body. And uh, nothing made sense to us. And we gathered also to the public, the unions, political parties. There was a, quite an uproar, but nobody was doing anything. And uh, our industry got together and said, look, we can't keep shouting. We've got to challenge this. Um, we've done our research and we could see that they'd broken our constitutional rights as um, motorists and businesses and, and believed that it required a, a legal challenge. But firstly, we engaged for a whole year with Sanral trying to get some sanity into how the system worked because it was going to impact negatively, not only on our businesses, but that we started to learn more and more on other businesses and then the public. And then we had to we had to make a stand, and we got together as an industry and put put the money together for the first court case, which which interdicted and halted the launch in 2012 in April 2012. And from there, it's grown into you know we were asked very often why don't we take our fight order, and we said we would, but but we can't do it without employing the right people, um, getting the talent into the system, and 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 building our own legal team because that was important that we don't. Uh, we don't uh, spend a lot of money on, 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 on lawyers, external lawyers, and also that we work a lot faster on building legal cases. And when we got the finance model right, which was a crowdfunded model, 
mm-hmm. where thousands of people give a hundred rand or so a month and biz, small businesses give a bit more. So we were able to start employing the people. And we grew from this, uh, this time two years ago, uh, four or five people. We had now 40, just under 40 staff. Um, a legal team of six plus an advocate to heads it up, um, investigators, uh, researchers and communications team. And, and, and we've now set out to, to challenge that which has to be challenged, which is the abuse of authority when it comes to maladministration and corruption. And, and it is about going after the individuals and the people who are responsible for it, holding them to account and, uh, and, and, and doing it properly and professionally. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think for me, um, the reason why, no, Oto obviously has has such um, high value and is held in such high esteem is the very professional way in which you've engaged um, society as well as government and and other you know other affected parties. I mean, I I think you know if I if I look at some of the stuff that has gone backwards and forwards between different uh, entities and and corporate entities and people etc. in in the public domain and in uh, the media etc. I think it is really easy to almost stoop to the lower levels and, 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 you know, kind of get into the mudslinging. And I, yeah. I must say the one thing that has always impressed me about the auteur response is always the calm, fact-based engagement that is, is clear, concise, sets out the issues quite clearly. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think your invitation, for example, on the ETOL scenario with Sanrel to say, okay, well, bring your test case. Let's do the mm. test case. Um, you know, we're happy to live with the, the findings of the, of the judiciary and, and, and the likes. Yeah. I think speaks yeah. volumes of the type of people that, that, you know, the guys within OTA are and the type of thing that you, you <coughs> wish to represent from an activism yeah. perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got to be sure of our facts. And uh, it's not about poking a stick at government and, and, and picking a fight for the sake of doing so. This is about um, asking government the, 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 the real hard facts around is what you're doing in the best interest of society. If it isn't, then you need to be challenged on it and questioned. And we see a lot of that at the moment. I mean, if you just look at the um, the carbon tax, for instance, no, you know, it's not about us wanting to say, well, people just spew emissions into the atmosphere. It's about making sure that if you introduce a carbon tax, that you do it in a way that changes behavior, that the money is used to to, to um, continue with greener innovation uh, so that the planet can be uh, better invested in, and that it's not just about putting money into government's coffers for squandering. Uh, and the same goes for, we're looking at NHI now. I'm saying, yes, the poor have to have good free medical uh, supply and and, and, and and detention, but but the way they're going about it is just absolutely ludicrous. It's crazy. It's going to fail, just like the ETOL scheme. And so we're trying to hold government to account to mm. for, for good governance, good policy, and uh, and sensible uh, um, governance. Mm. Now, Wayne, I mean, the the whole world of being, let's call it an ethics activist. We, it's a it's mm. a term we we've. Coined and used, yeah, yeah. Cynthia's come up with this this terminology. Uh, How does it feel? You know, I mean, you obviously are synonymous with Ota. Your your personal brand and Ota are kind of inextricably linked. Obviously, how how does this play out for you at a almost let's call it a personal level? um, You know, in your interactions with people, etc. 
you know, do, do people, how do people react to you as, let's me call it the face of OTA as the ethics activist? Well, um, yeah, I don't know because we, we, we just continue to, to do what we've got to do. We work at a very, very fast pace. Um, it's broader than me now. We've got more spokespeople in the various areas. And I guess uh, what it means for us is that we've got to ensure that our governance is right. And, uh, you know, you can imagine growing an organization from three to, to 40 staff in two years. Um, our policies and procedures had to, have to change fast. We've had to put in structures, new people, um, and with that comes its own challenges. I mean, we even have uh, our churn in that in that growth uh, because people come in at areas that aren't right and and uh, and and either can't move up or need to move out. And and we even get challenged internally. So we're not unique to any organisation uh, that comes with its pressures of rapid growth. And that's been good for us because it tests us and says, right, we've got to make sure that our government space and our ethics are, are in place and we've had to keep looking internally as well as looking externally as we've grown. So we've come a long way and um, and, and we're growing as fast as we can. Um, and, and I guess people look at us as an organization that is driving an ethical uh, and moral stance, um, but we've also got to watch ourselves. Yeah, because you know you can't you can't get high on your own juice in this game. You can't think that you are now the power base that you are, or the be all in this space. You've got to um, you can't suffer from the same problems that government suffers from, where it starts to uh, you know think that it's uh, it can't be challenged. We've got to be challenged as well. In fact, I, I would argue um, that, that once you're in the space of, of if you want defending what is ethical, you almost become, I, I use the word target in inverted commas, but you almost become more of a target that for your slightest misdemeanor and, and then the sort of employee who is just mildly dissatisfied, you would almost be, be criticized more fiercely uh, because your, your work is, is supporting ethics. Absolutely, you're quite right, and that we that we've encountering um, in the last uh, number of months as we've had to go through some tough decisions on on um, internal uh, uh, challenges that we've had to had to look at and uh, and and press it. And you're quite right. I mean, if if, if we are are pushing the envelope too far, we're going to get challenged both internally and externally. So we're watching that uh, all the time, and it's not that it's a perfect world. And it's not, you know, ethics and governance is not an on-off switch; it's a journey, and you've got to keep keep reinventing yourself, um, keep making sure your structures are right, your appointments are right, and that you're following due process, uh, while at the same time challenging externally for exactly the same thing. So. You're quite right. I mean, we've, uh, we've we've had to watch that very very closely. In fact, if I if I can add to what you're saying, uh, certainly in terms of my work in the ethics space, I've often found, and I'd be interested in your comment. I've often found that the internal management of ethics is often something that's reactive, a bit ad hoc. So as much as the as the outer statements might might uh, outer, I mean <laughs> external statements uh, might yeah. might say all the right things that. That often that internal management of ethics is not nearly up to speed enough. Um, so, so as I say, I, I appreciate you just talking to the point, but I, I wonder if that that's also your experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, as I said earlier, um, <clears throat> growing at that pace, you know, when you're a three or four man organisation, you don't have 
the extent of the policies and procedures in place as formally as they should be. And as you're growing and you're putting them in place, so you you become stretched. Mm. And uh, and as you are growing and people who come in at certain levels can't grow with you, there's a lot of frustration, uh, there's pushback, and then uh, you get questioned on whether you're uh, you know, bringing people in at the right levels. So we're not without our challenges internally and, and, and having to watch our own ethical space and how we manage people. And uh, I can assure you that we've had our, our challenges, but we work through them and we work through them diligently and uh, give a lot of room for movement so that we can um, just make sure we do it properly and get better. And the, the thing is, you've got to be a learning organization. Mm. You've got to Indeed. take uh, from every step um, and, and, and learn and put in place the new processes that make you stronger. Yeah. Now, Wayne, I mean, if I have a look at the number of issues that, that you've got involved with as OTA, I mean, clearly you've, you've put yourselves on the radar uh, quite publicly with certain uh, elements that, that could potentially be quite uh, tough to, to, to deal with in terms of, you know, they have, they have vast resources at their disposal and they're quite – uh, let me call the, call, use the word carefully, aggressive in their, um, in their pursuit of certain outcomes. Do you find yeah. this, I mean, does the, the transparency that you enjoy as an activist where you basically put it out there, so to speak, um, does, does that give you an element of, let me call it protection against, you know, let's call it the, the, the individuals in question? Or, you know, do you sometimes have concerns and do you, how do you sleep at night knowing that, you know, you've been, uh, you know, you're engaging, I mean, let's just be straight, you know, people like the yeah. presidency. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. this is, this is not for sissies. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that is exactly it. Uh, you know, you can't come into this uh, space and then be concerned. Uh, obviously, you can't be reckless. Uh, you've got to be guarded, but you've got to say it right and do your research and, and be careful. Be very careful how and what we say. Um, so if it means laying charges against the president, laying treason charges as, we, as we've done against the uh, Faith Mutambi and and, and uh, Richard uh, Zwani uh, and Saleke and, and people like that, these are people in, in the highest uh, levels of government, plus lower down, you, you don't do so willy-nilly. You get your facts um, and, and, and you double-check them. And uh, then you go ahead and you do it because it's right to do it, not because um, you, know, you, you just want to do something. And we believe that tackling corruption and maladministration at the highest levels is where you start because when you start fixing it there um, and, and, and this starts to permeate downwards, then you know that you're going to fix the problem uh, for the longer term. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's like pruning the tree from the top. It's, you can, uh, there's so much to do at the bottom, but it's, it's at the top where the, where, where the greatest attention is that you need to, uh, focus sometimes. Yeah. Well, getting, getting rid of the supplier of the brown, brown envelope is always a good way mm. to start cleaning up the, yeah. <laughs> cleaning up town for the sheriff. Yeah. Now, I mean, and I use the analogy now of saying cleaning up the town with the sheriff. Does it feel sometimes that you're a little bit in the wild west uh, of the good old days where, you know, it's a bit of the gunslingers taking pot shots at everybody and things things getting a little bit uh, 
little bit hair raising occasionally. I mean, if I if I just look at uh, early in December, I saw there was uh, news commentary that our dear friend uh, at SAA there was you know talk of oh there's going to be some changes um, around uh, Dudu's role. She's now going to become uh, if I remember. A special advisor in the Ministry of Transport. Oh, and they're going to shift SAA from the Ministry of uh, of Ministry of Finance to Transport, and suddenly the you know the papers, if I recall the headlines as I drove down the road that day, was and SAA's back with Dudu was the kind of, <laughs> yeah. and I, I yeah. kind of look at this and I go. Sure. A lot of effort and a lot of focus. You know, you've clearly focused them uh, and focused South Africa and the public's eyes on this. And yet right in front of you, they're now going to, you know, they're thinking of trying to do something. I mean, I see now that the, uh, um, I saw within a matter of a few hours, the presidency issued a straight flat denial of no, 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 that's not going to happen. It's not moving from finance yeah. to, to treasury, um, from treasury yeah. to transport. But transport, I, I mean, yeah. it, it just blows my mind that, you know, somebody would stand up and say, I'm employing Dudu as an yeah. expert at a million rand a yeah. year salary. And I'm going, what, an expert in how to run a, con- uh, how to run a company into the ground? Like, yeah, is that, is that her, ex- yeah. what expertise are we talking about? Could you be more specific? Um, yeah, that yeah. was a really scary, uh, scenario that they had play out there. Um, I mean, these people seem quite brazen in some of the stuff that they get up to. How does that make you feel as an activist and they trying are, to no, do the right it's, thing? It's frustrating. That's, um, it is clearly that there's sheltered employment. She's not an aviation expert. Uh, she's got no idea the fact that she sat on that board and ruined that organization. Um, doesn't make her an expert at all. And, uh, and, and when you see CRPC have sanctioned her in the past, we have a delinquent director case coming up at the end of the year in November. Um, 2018 will should be in court with on uh, regarding her. So there's um, sufficient evidence to show that this is just a farce, and uh, and and then this is a message coming from the top saying, you know, find some employment, to keep this lady busy. And if Joe Masengani, the uh, the uh, transport minister, sees her as an expert, well, then so be it. That just goes to show the level of, of of the problem, really, because then he is so out of touch with reality when it comes to running transport. But we've seen that anyway. And uh, we've just got to carry on and soldier ahead and not allow that to put us off and to mm. deter us from keep doing our job. Exactly. And I, and I think one of the things, I mean, you spoke to it earlier, you said you're quick and reactive and responsive and you've got that nimbleness. And then I hear you now say, okay, and this is going to end up in a court case in November of 2018, later this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of go, sure, that must be hard to almost have the, have, let's call it, have the, have the public's back as an activist mm-hmm. saying, this is wrong. And then it's like, yeah. yes, and we can prove it when you give us a court date in a year's time kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, it's almost going to be, I mean, it's, you, you mm. know, you're talking November 2018. We're talking, you know, 11 months away before that. And I mean, I'm sure that that delinquent director conversation was happening in uh, in 2017. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's more than a year to get court actions on fundamentally a person that is blowing billions of rands yeah. away on a monthly basis. 
You know, where's yeah. the where, where's the where's the sense of urgency from the judicial kind of? You know, I, well, I'm kind of asking myself the question like, where's the special court here to to hear yeah. things that are in let's call it public interest? You know, if you're blowing, if somebody's blowing a a, a billion rand, you know, a month or two, surely to goodness the court can get it together faster than you know twelve months later. Yeah, look, um, unfortunately, this is this is how it works in some cases. Others, we can bring urgent interdicts, as we did do with the BNP capital case. We got the information from the whistleblower and halted that case from from when we got first wind of it, uh, and and then halted it. That took us um, six to eight weeks, and that's the nimbleness of what we can mm. do in case building. But in other matters like this, where it's not an urgent application, unfortunately, if you put the applications in for the High Court, that can take. Um, 18 months and you've got to also build your case before that. So we started working on the Dujamieni delinquent director case, uh, uh, beginning of 2017 and I'll, and I'll see it's in court in the end of 2018. But this is the other side of, of fighting corruption is you've got to have the patience. You've got to have the, the long distance, uh, journey of raising the funds for these, um, matters and, uh, and, and, and staying the course. This is, you know, fighting uh, corruption and maladministration and government uh, misspending is not an overnight process. And that's why we've just got to keep building the support for ARTA uh, so that we can take on more and more cases. And they take, they take years, some of them, but, but, but it's worth it in the long run. I can, I can assure you when we get that judgment and we're quite sure about that. Um, that, that she pays the penalty and she will not be able to, to, to sit on any boards thereafter and not be able to fill these uh, uh, important positions. And, and, uh, and then from there will come the criminal charges and eventually, you know, jail time if, if need be. Mm, the, the the lovely orange is the new black. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But but, yeah. but I, yeah. I I think I, I grant you that the, the time does appear to be be unduly long. Uh, but for me, the the importance of this speaks to the current sense of impunity. And and I yeah. think that one's got to knock a hole in that with saying actually we pursued this matter and here is a, is a real outcome. And and I I rather suspect that without that outcome it would be almost impossible to find the impetus to keep going but but i mean can can i feed back to you that the resilience i'm hearing in terms of of you keeping going at it i i think is really noteworthy and i think it speaks to what must be a core dimension of many of our, our really good active civil society organizations Mm. You've got to build these uh, organizations for the long term. And to do that, you've got to have good people and, and continuity. And to do that, you've got to pay market-related salaries. And to do that, you've got to have the funding and the backing. And, and the models are different for different civil society organizations. Some rely on the handouts and, and the support of, of big donor organizations. You know, you'll get three, four, five of them. But the problem with that type of Organizations that you lose one supporter, uh, organization, billions goes and you have to retrench. Whereas what we like about our model is that the, the public are behind us and we call it crowdfunding for South Africa's prosperity. Uh, and when tens of thousands of people give you small amounts of money and you keep growing that and you remain relevant to them because they can see your progress year after year, uh, so you can take on more and, um, it's that journey. It's this wave that we just continue. And as we, as some cases close, we take on new cases. And as we grow, so we put more people on board. And it's a, it's a nice formula. 
and uh, and we built this organization for the long run and and we're actually having a lot of fun doing it uh, because there's a massive amount of energy and a buzz and excitement mm. on the outer offices where where as we lay new charges and as another case comes to fruition uh, the energy's high and the new and the new milestone is reached I can assure you it's it's really really exciting stuff what we do there well, I was going to say when unfortunately for for us, as a country, you don't seem to be in short supply of work. <laughs> no, no, it is unfortunate because we shouldn't exist, you know. Yeah, if you yes. think well, about well, it, we, yeah, I was going to say, the, the sad thing is you're so passionate about what you do, and the sad thing is that, in fact, the fact that you exist as an organization is an indictment on yeah, the, exactly. on, the, on the environment, but look from uh, from our perspective from the show, we can definitely uh, we will see uh, we we add our endorsement to to your cause in terms of a funding appeal and when uh, the, the one thing we will do actively on social media as part of our, our show and the promotion of the podcast on the show after the, after this, we'll actually actively engage people to donate. Because I do believe yeah. and, and become members of OTA mm-hmm. because I do believe this is something where if the whole of civil society gets behind doing the right stuff, the reality yeah. is that then people are uh, people who have any inclination to do anything to the contrary will actually be kind of put in a corner and painted painted. And I think for me that's that's the important thing is that you know uh, as they as they always say in that in that classic saying you know. <laughs> You've got the brush and you've got the uh, paint, Mr. Whoever or Mrs. Whoever. Mm. If you decide to paint yourself into a corner, I can't really help you. <laughs> and mm. and ethically, yeah. I think, you know, the ethics and the uh, issues that we're seeing in this country, I mean, people just paint themselves into corners all the time. And I kind of yeah. look at this and I go, you know, do you guys not realize what you're doing? Uh, uh, you know, the, the, there's a part of me that almost goes, you know, are, is everybody that naive to think that this is acceptable? Um, do we have mm. a different value set as, as, um, you know, civilization and other people have, have different value sets? But I mean, I, I must say that I, no matter who I talk to across, you know, gender, race, age, you talk to anybody, they all have the same view and we all seem to share a common, uh, set of views and values on this whole question of, of where, yeah. where, where these violations of ethical behavior happen. And, you know, I kind of look and go, how do people actually ra- – I struggle to know how they rationalize it and sleep at night and think that it's okay. It's just it, – it, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, I mean, I saw a joke the, the other day. I won't say who was the f- feature of the, of the joke, but I'm sure you can figure it out. They said, you know, how does the, this person sleep? And the caption below yeah. said, like a baby. They wake up every two hours yeah. crying. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, you yeah. know, you, you wonder, do, you know, do these people actually have a conscience? And, and, and clearly – you know, an activist like yourselves, like Ota, is, is engaging and, and almost, I guess you could say, forcing a con- conscience mm. into the space. When, when unconscionable behavior happens, somebody yeah. has to bring the conscience to the table. And I guess that's the role of people like yourself and the team at Ota to actually bring the, let's call it society's conscience to the fore and say, yeah. no, this is not acceptable and we're not going to take this. And we need to stop yeah. this right here, right yeah. now. Wayne, it's been no, great. Do as much of it as yeah. It's it's been great chatting to you. If the if I can give you one last opportunity, is there any 
kind of specific message that you as the CEO of Oto would like to get out there to the South African public um, to make it make a bold statement around where we are ethically and, and, and where Ota is and, and what you're striving to achieve. This is an opportunity yeah, to do that. I, I think I think the first thing is we've got to be very careful as a nation that we don't slip into the state of depression and when senses that this hopelessness and this frustration levels are very high mm. uh, and people sort of sort of give up and say, well, how do we fix this? But we can. I can assure you there are countries in Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, and many others that are tackling corruption, wide-scale, you know, deeply entrenched corruption head-on. And when when society and governments do start walking together, and they will, um, because who's in today is not in necessarily tomorrow, and things do start turning, and the barriers that are in place now do get lifted, and we are able to go and, and, and challenge those and take them on and, and, and put them where they should be. Those are the those, that's the starting ground and, and the turning point for 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 the the improved prosperity that we we, we see ahead. So we sh- we cannot give up. And when you give up, then you then you then then we've lost, and you don't want to do that. So we say to the public, look. If you're feeling helpless, get behind organizations like ourselves because we'll do that fight for you. We'll enable you to feel like an active citizen and we'll, we'll, we'll be your outer. We'll be your organization that takes on the corrupt. So get as many people behind, uh, as credible civil organizations and it's not just outer. There's, uh, there's uh, section 27. There's, um, uh, there's a number of them out there. Just do what you believe should be done. What is right. You know what is right. And, uh, and, and, and let's see how we can move this country forward. And I, if we look back five years from now, I can assure you that from where we sit, we believe that the good has to triumph in the end, and it will, and, and this will be the best place to be. Wayne, thank you very much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for your thoughts. That was our guest, Wayne Devenacher, CEO of Outer. Next up, the Youth Leadership Platform. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.